Are you trying to squeeze the starting solid food stuff into your already busy schedule? Well, I have an all-in-one done-for-you solution that's going to take the guesswork out of feeding your baby. My online program is called Baby Led Weaning with Katie Ferraro. It contains all of my baby led weaning training videos, the original 100 First Foods content library, plus a 100-day meal plan with recipes like the exact sequence of which foods to feed in which order. So if you want to stop trying to piece all this feeding stuff together on your own, I would be honored if you would join me inside of the program. You can get signed up at babyledweaning.co slash program. Checking in about food allergies and introducing allergenic foods. And have you done peanut with your baby yet? Well, intact nuts and thick globs of nut butters like peanut butter are choking hazards for babies, but we want to get that peanut protein into your baby early and often in order to help lower the risk of peanut allergy down the road. My absolute favorite way to introduce peanuts for babies is using the Puffworks Baby Peanut Puffs. So When you hear puffs, like you're probably like, oh, those starchy little puff things. Like, no, no, no. Not the little ones that earlier eaters can't pick up. Those kind of crappy puffs from the store that have added sugar and refined grains and lots of salt. Uh uh. The Puffworks baby peanut puffs have no added sugar. They have just a smidge of sodium for preservatives, and they are the perfect size for baby led weaning. They're about the size of your adult pinky finger. So, you can, baby can pick them up, self-feed them, but they're so soft that they dissolve in your baby's mouth so you can introduce these peanut puffs even before your baby has teeth. Puffworks also makes a baby almond puff for the safe introduction of a separate allergenic food category. That's tree nuts. And now, finally, Puffworks put out a combo case. So it's half baby peanut and half baby almond. So if you want to grab one case, then you can knock out two new allergenic foods. We do these on different days, though. These are just the no-stress, low-mess way to get peanut and tree nut out of the way. So you can get 15% off everything at puffworks.com when you use the affiliate discount code BLWPOD. That's a new code. It's BLWPOD. Use that sucker at checkout at puffworks.com and get peanut and tree nut safely out of the way. With IgG tests, what they're measuring is not validated, meaning it's never been actually shown that people with elevated IgG has a certain condition. It's never been shown that the same person with that condition has the same test results every time you take the test. Hey there, I'm Katie Ferraro, registered dietitian, college nutrition professor, and mom of seven specializing in baby led weaning. Here on the Baby Led Weaning Made Easy podcast, I help you strip out all of the noise and nonsense about feeding leaving you with the confidence and knowledge you need to give your baby a safe start to solid foods using baby-led weaning. What is up with food sensitivity tests? You see these all over the internet, claiming to be able to test for over like 150 foods and chemicals that your child might react to in a single test. They feel super shady and they're definitely preying on parents' fears. actually heard Dr. David Stuke is my guest today on the Unbiased Science Podcast recently. We had the gals from Unbiased Science Podcast on our show a while ago talking about dealing with misinformation in the science space. But then when I heard their episode with Dr. Stukas, I'm like, he is one of my favorite people on the planet to interview. And he was talking at great length about how food sensitivity tests are total hogwash. So he has a much more eloquent way of describing it. So I wanted to ask Dr. Stukas back on our podcast to break down food sensitivity tests with a particular emphasis on food sensitivities in children, since that's obviously the appeal of our audience. Dr. Stukas is board certified in allergy and immunology as well as pediatrics. He's also the director of the Food Allergy Treatment Center at Nationwide Children's Hospital. Dr. Stukas is a wealth of information on Instagram. He's at allergykidsdoc. 
And Dr. Dave, as he is known, he's coming out swinging on this one, which like I literally love interviewing because he starts describing how right out of the gate food sensitivities are a made up thing, how food sensitivity IgG tests aren't even a validated measurement tool. It's a very short and succinct conversation. But if you are considering exploring a food sensitivity testing route with your baby or your child or yourself, for that matter, I hope you'll give this interview a thorough listen as Dr. David Stukas is bringing the science to refute the entirety of the food sensitivity testing world. Hi, thanks for having me. I am so excited to chat. We're going to talk about food sensitivity tests. I think the whole idea of food allergy versus food sensitivity is really confusing to parents. Could you just tell us like real high level, how does a quote unquote sensitivity differ from a true food allergy? Well, sensitivity is made up, uh, whereas allergy is, is an immune response to a food. Uh, so I led with that to grab people's attention. So a food allergy is really easy. So it, you form an immune reaction to a food. Uh, you form this allergy antibody called IgE. So every single time you eat that food, your body says you don't belong here and you have an allergic reaction. It activates the allergy cells, typically occurs within minutes, any combination of big rate of hives, swelling, vomiting, wheezing, anaphylaxis. That's how food allergy presents. This term food sensitivity uh, has been applied to a whole range of symptoms that has never been actually you know, shown to actually be true. There is no consensus medical definition, nor are there existing diagnostic criteria to diagnose food sensitivity. That's really important because without those clear criteria, anybody's, you know, free to do whatever they want to use that term. So that's why I say it's kind of made up because, you know, there are people out there that have symptoms when they eat foods uh, and intolerances occur, and that's more difficulty with digestion. Uh, but this term sensitivity is just exploded as a marketing term in recent years. You've previously been on our podcast talking about food allergy testing and how that works and why there are so many false positive results. And so there's a previous episode, you guys, it's called Why Are False Positive Results in Food Allergy Testing So Common with Dr. Stukas? And I'll link to that in the show notes if you want to learn more about that. But I want to ask you what food sensitivity tests are then, if they're not food allergy tests, how do they purport to work if sensitivity is a made up thing? Yeah. So this is like pseudoscience 101. So food sensitivity tests measure IgG antibody, which is a memory antibody. IgE is involved in the allergic response. As you mentioned, there's lots of false positives. More people are sensitized than actually allergic. With IgG tests, what they're measuring is not validated, meaning it's never been actually shown that you know people with elevated IgG has a certain condition. It's never been shown that the same person with that condition has the same test results every time you take the test. And it's never been shown to show a difference of people with food sensitivity showing one result compared to those who don't have um, food sensitivity with a different result. So those are three very basic you know, things that need to be met for any test to be validated. And these tests have not ever met those in any degree. Also, there's no normal values that we know about what's a normal response of IgG. Here's the best analogy I can present. We know, and we talked about in another podcast, oral immunotherapy. When you desensitize somebody to what they're allergic to, their IgE levels start to go down over time as they lose the allergy. Their IgG levels go up at the same time because they're now protected from that food. IgG means protection and tolerance, not sensitivity or allergy. So there's really no medical basis to use these measurements or these tests to diagnose anything. We also know, as you mentioned, IgE, legitimate food allergy tests, IgE tests are not screening tests. You can't just test for everything and see what comes back because you get a lot of, a lot of false positives. So if IgE legitimate tests aren't screening tests, why on earth are people using IgG tests as screening tests? It makes no sense. Hey, we're going to take a quick break, but I'll be right back. 
This episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. If you've been thinking about giving therapy a try, BetterHelp is a great option. It's a convenient, flexible, affordable, and entirely online experience. All you do is just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can also switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. I used to think therapy was just for people who have experienced major trauma, but therapy can help you be at your best no matter what you're going through. So whether it's to learn new positive coping skills, set more realistic boundaries, or just show up as a better version of yourself, BetterHelp is here to help. Therapy can help you find what matters to you so that you can do more of it. If you want to live a more empowered life, therapy can help you get there and BetterHelp can help you. Visit betterhelp.com slash weaning today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash weaning and get 10% off your first month. What about food intolerance testing, though? We're definitely in our program seeing an uptick in parents asking lots of questions about food intolerance. Okay, I've ruled out food allergy, so now I want to go down the path of this is a food intolerance, and there's all these you know, targeted ads that they get, even for babies as young as like under 12 months of age. Is there any legitimacy to a food intolerance test? Well, the only ones I'm aware of are typically done in the hospital setting, and you, know, you can do breath analysis for some of these metabolites and things like that to diagnose lactose intolerance and things along those lines, but that's all I'm aware of. Really, the best test is, is the history. So intolerances are going to cause difficulty with digestion, and we often will, will recommend elimination diets. Uh, so you need to come to me with the foods of concern. It's not If you have vague symptoms and you're not sure if, if food is causing it, it's probably not caused by food. There's probably other rational explanations for it. There are, these are common symptoms that occur uh, due to other common conditions. Uh, but if you really think it's a specific food, you need to take it out of the diet, see if symptoms improve completely. If they do improve completely after a period of two to three weeks, put it back in the diet to see if symptoms come back again. That's really the best way to diagnose it. And food sensitivity tests that was kind of looking online in preparation for this episode, the ones that are marketed to parents of children, they seem to cost somewhere around $150 to $200 online. They're all administered at home. Are any of these regulated by like federal bodies or institution? Like, I don't know if it's just me and my algorithm, but they're all over the place now, I feel like. Oh, no, they are. You can, you don't have to leave your house. You can get delivered from DoorDash. Um, so I'm not aware of any FDA regulations on them. I don't know why. Uh, there isn't more oversight, but you know this isn't the only unvalidated test that people can can uh, obtain. Uh, this is all over the place. Uh, there's now direct to consumer IgE tests as well, which is a real problem because, as I just mentioned, they're not screening tests, and all of them put the disclaimer of this isn't medical advice and whatever. But once you have that test done and you see the result, you can't unsee those results, and they impact you in many ways. I saw one ad that claimed to test over 150 foods and chemicals that your child might react to in a single test. And the ad copy, I mean, just textbook, totally preying on parents' fears, like food sensitivities are responsible for your baby's sleep disruptions and eczema and colic and reflux, you know, all the baby stuff. Like, why are these tests allowed to proliferate if they're not widely accepted by the medical community? That's a great question. I don't know. And, you know, it's interesting. There are some in the fringe medical community, and I'll use my air quotes here, that aren't true board certified. Uh, physicians or, you know, other other legitimate degrees, and they're actually recommending these tests. Uh, a lot of times these are coming from naturopaths and, you know, these holistic practitioners and sometimes chiropractors and stuff like that. But yeah, so they add that air of legitimacy to them when it shouldn't be there. It's really unfortunate. What about parents who do suspect that their baby is sensitive or intolerant to a certain food? You know, the last thing we want to see is 
I agree with elimination diets under supervised medical practice, but like a lot of parents are just going to cut out. I'm never going to eat soy. I'm never doing dairy again. And now you're eliminating huge swaths of foods with very valuable nutrition. What should parents do if they suspect an intolerance since we know sensitivities are made up? Hopefully they talk to their child's pediatrician. Um, you know, that's the best place because there are often very good explanations for those symptoms that, that you're observing that may not be due to specific foods. I always try to figure out, is this a food issue or is this a you issue? And if it's due to specific foods, we do clarify, is this allergy or intolerance? And we have specific steps to, in order to do that and ways to manage that. If it's a you issue, maybe this is something like reflux or, or colic or normal sort of infant behavior. Uh, the way I think about it, and this may be a very simplistic view, but this is what we see as pediatricians. Your baby is in a very, very safe, loving, amazing environment in your warm, calm uterus for seven to nine months. And then they are thrust into the very scary, harsh world where now they need to eat and swallow on their own. They need to try to stay warm. It's really disruptive. So I think we need to give them at least seven to nine months to kind of acclimate. And as they acclimate, there's a huge range of, of behaviors that they'll demonstrate. Uh, they're going to cry. They're going to have difficulty, you know, swallowing and learning how to eat. Their digestion is going to be impacted by the different types of foods that they're eating. So there's a lot of normal variation that we see that just self-resolves and just magically gets better as they mature when they get used to living in our crazy world. Hey, we're going to take a quick break, but I'll be right back. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Well, thank you so much for talking about these tests. I know it's sometimes hard to say this is bogus, but at the end of the day, what term would you use to describe food sensitivity tests? Like if you had to sum it all up in one adjective. Uh, made up. Okay. <laughs> no, it really, honestly, and for anybody who disagrees, you know, go find the evidence. It's really that easy. Carl Sagan, one of my favorite quotes, extraordinary claims require extraordinary evidence. It should be that simple. There should be mountains of evidence supporting these tests if they're legitimate. And I have not found it. Well, thank you again, Dr. Stukas. Always great chatting with you. Likewise. Nice to see you. Well, I hope you guys enjoyed that interview with Dr. Stukas. I always appreciate the opportunity to chat with him and pick his brain. He does not mince words. I love that he cuts right to the chase, tells you about the science. He's got a mix of research and that practitioner expertise sprinkled in. I'm going to share more of Dr. Stukas's resources on the show notes for this episode, which you can find at blwpodcast.com. A special thank you to our partners at Airwave Media. If you guys like podcasts that feature food and science and using your brain, then Airwave Media has some great podcasts for you to listen to. We are online at blwpodcast.com. And thank you so much for listening. I'll see you next time. <laughs>